Welcome to PawneeCast, the official podcast of the Pharmacists Association of Western New York. I'm your host, Vicki Bilousova, and today we will be talking to Mary Lou Nataro about her experience with the Pharmacists Association of Western New York and her role as a strategic program manager at Dr. First, a company which has been pioneering healthcare technology solutions and consulting since 2000. But before we talk to Mary Lou Nataro, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an introduction to the podcast, since this is episode one. Yay! PawneeCast is a once-monthly podcast aimed at discussing some of the more unique opportunities that exist within the realm of pharmacy, providing updates on the latest happenings, and having a little bit of fun along the way. I will be your main host for the most part, but occasionally we might have a co-host or there might be someone else to take my place just to, you know, keep things fresh and uh, keep you from getting bored of my voice. We have some pretty exciting interviews and content planned for you, if I do say so myself. So be sure to stay tuned. Now, let's jump into our main discussion with Mary Lou Nataro. Hello, Mary Lou. Thank you so much for joining us on PawneeCast. I'm Vicky. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Now, before we jump into our fun discussion, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? I am a pharmacist. I live in West Seneca, New York. I have been here for about 25 years, but originally from Central New York. I live here with my husband, Greg, who with his brother owns community pharmacy here in town, Union Medical. And we have two kids, one in high school, one in college, and a very fun puppy. And I am a strategic program manager at Dr. First, in addition to helping out at the pharmacy. How is the puppy doing? She's awesome. She is, well, she's one in people years, but I guess it's different for a dog. But I always say she's in charge because, you know, she rings the bell and everyone comes running. I actually think Sarah was on the phone Monday, maybe with you. And she goes, don't give the dog cheese. Oh, because I said she was a bad girl and cheese is a reward. Sarah's a disciplinarian. Yeah, that was that was very funny. Kind of made my Monday. What is your favorite drug? My favorite drug is insulin because between volunteering with Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation and lots of friends and family with diabetes, I've got a lot of folks in my life that insulin keeps them alive. So it's my favorite drug. And what are you currently reading or watching? Like what's kind of your go-to thing at the moment? All right. So I will tell you, I work from home for Dr. First because we're located in Maryland and I tend to listen to a lot of audiobooks, but they're all over the place. There's nothing that jumps out as me as a favorite. But from a TV perspective, I will binge watch whatever we agree on as a family. If the kids want to watch something with me, I'll do that. If Greg picks something, I'll do that. But my personal favorite is The West Wing. How many times have you finished watching that? I watch The West Wing in totality every time there's a presidential election. To get yourself amped up for the political process or? Well, I watch President Bartlett instead of, unfortunately, instead of watching the debates and things on TV because he's my favorite. The best part is the, the banter between the characters and how smart they come across as being so smart. What would you say is a fun fact about you? Fun fact about me is that I have a talent for what I'll term a somewhat useless trivia. My father was exactly the same way. He was actually better than me, but the two of us were, we would be the people you'd want on your trivia team. All right. So what would be a weird trivia fact? Oh my goodness. I, it's more answering questions. I promise the talent is there. Oh, for sure. I know that there's been a lot of times when I'm at trivia and people answer questions and I'm like, how do you know this? And it's it's definitely a talent for sure. Now, how did you get involved with the Pharmacists Association of Western New York? I have been involved with pharmacy organizations since pharmacy school at ACP. 
HS, I guess we say now. So I was an ASP officer and that kind of thing and had an opportunity to go to some state and national meetings. And so then when I moved here to Buffalo and began a career here, it was kind of just a natural progression of what I had done from college. What is your current role within the organization then? And kind of how did you progress through the organization to get to your current position? Okay, so my current role is chairman of the board of directors. I started as a Pawnee board member and a Pisney board member for several years. I then entered the executive committee. I was the executive secretary for four or five years and then the president-elect and then president and now I'm chairman. Why do you continue to stay involved? Because I very much believe that if you want to make a difference, if you want to move the profession forward, if you want to keep our profession strong, each one of us has to do our part. And this is how I choose to do my part. How would you say pharmacy has changed since you started practicing? And then do you think that Pawnee has contributed to this change in practice in any sort of way? Okay, so for me, you know, I graduated college in 1991. So a lot of the changes have been technological. You know, real-time adjudication has become more the norm as I've been a pharmacist. The impact in our profession of PBMs and formularies and and certainly pharmacy organizations, including Pawnee, you know, work to make sure that in this changing environment that we remain viable and growing. Also, what's changed from the time that I started my career is that there are a lot of different types of pharmacy practice now. So, for example, in a hospital back at that time, maybe there were one or two clinical pharmacists. Now it's a much larger percentage of the team. And when I got out of school, there's maybe one or two pharmacists managing a formulary at a health plan, for example. Now, you know, you look at, you know, plants here in town that have a team of 25, 30 changes in uh, community pharmacy to really highlight kind of the clinical work and enhance the clinical work that's always been going on. And through all of these different changes, I think that pharmacy organizations have had a role, whether it's growing the scope of practice or even when the practice scope grows, working with our elected officials to make sure that that change is viable, that there's a payment model, that there's, you know, fair and equitable access. So I think that every time that the profession has changed and has changed a lot, The pharmacy organizations are involved a lot of times proactively, sometimes a little bit retroactively, but always the pharmacy organizations have been involved every step of the way. I guess you can kind of think of them as uh, silent heroes because you don't automatically assume that it's a pharmacy organization that made things happen. Exactly. I think that we collectively as a profession have not done a good job of, of really sharing what we do and what we contribute. And whether it's within our profession, understanding, you know, if you give a flu shot or a COVID vaccine, you have a pharmacy organization to thank for it. Here in Buffalo, it's Pawnee. Other parts of the state, it's their local affiliate organization. You know, if you are doing CDTM, same thing. This is all pharmacy organizations really collecting the data, showing what the impact can be and really making sure to continue those those relationships so that When you look at the last year, when so much changed so quickly, the pharmacy organizations had educated our elected officials on all levels, you know, local, county, Erie County and Niagara County here, state, national, that they were confident that we were ready to take the charge doing testing, 
giving the vaccines, providing a lot of education that was needed. What would you say are some personal benefits that you've seen for yourself being involved in the local pharmacy organization? Well, I think there's there's a few different things. So on a very personal level, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of different people, great, hardworking, determined people and learn a lot from them. And whether it is the way they balance their business, right? The, the keep the lights on, pay your bills stuff with caring for the community and also caring for the profession to me has been great. And I'm always looking to learn about different people and, and different examples. I learn sometimes about legislative changes through pharmacy organizations. And maybe I bring that back to the folks at Union Medical. Maybe I talk about it to someone at Dr. First. So I find that I bring my things back, but it also goes the other way. So I find at Dr. First that I might gain something and whether it's legislative or operational, somebody that's in a different practice location than I have experience with, but I've learned from them through these associations and even sometimes different issues that come up. And I've brought that to Dr. First and been able to say, you know, in the long-term care pharmacy community, this is an issue. I've really only done a touch of long-term care in my in my professional life, you know, and it's, so it's education, meeting people, having a better understanding of different populations through our state, right? In Manhattan, there might be in a two block radius, six pharmacies. Well, we would never think of that. It definitely does help bridge connections and really helps you understand what's going on from multiple angles and what's going on in different areas of the state. So I like how you put that. Why do you feel that others should get involved in pharmacy organizations? And then why do you think pharmacists specifically should get involved with Pawnee? I, I very much feel that each of us has a responsibility to our profession to protect it, improve it, grow it. And, and pharmacy organizations are the best way to do that. I believe that. I've seen it over and over again. That's just my personal belief. I think that this is part of being a pharmacist, regardless of your practice location. I, I think this is just a crucial part of being a pharmacist. We have great folks on our board that have been retired for 20 years, but they still care so much about the future of the profession that they're involved in pharmacy organizations on a, on a day-to-day basis, right alongside the students that are still in school and the new graduates and everyone in between. Pawnee itself, we make a difference in Western New York. There's no two ways about it. We have fostered a fantastic relationship with our Erie County Department of Health that they really, not only do they call on us for our competency and they trust our competency in different actions like immunizations, they also ask for our insight in things like you know, allocation of different services. We do represent a cross-section, I would say, of pharmacists in our Western New York region, but everybody has their own viewpoint. And if you want your viewpoint to be understood, if you want that to be part of the conversation, it's your response, you need to bring it because we only know what we know and there's always more to learn from each other. And that's why I think everyone should be involved. Thank you for that little introduction into Pawnee. And as a reminder, if you would like to sign up to be a member of the Pharmacists Association of Western New York, we'll put a link in our show notes for you to do just that. Now, changing gears, can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do at Dr. First? Sure. So Dr. First is a 21-year-old company. We provide different sorts of technological solutions for clinicians. So e-prescribing, we had adherence tools, we have secure communication tools, a patient app, we have some patient assistance programs. So that's kind of Dr. First in a nutshell. 
The idea is to really help clinicians across the continuum to really make a difference for their patients. And we're all very passionate about that. My personal job, what they call a strategic program manager. So that means a few different things. One of my main jobs is, you know, we're an IT company. So we have tech resources and we sell our products, right? So we have sales, marketing, all of that. One of my main responsibilities is to make sure that all of these different teams really understand the day-to-day life of a clinician. I mean, obviously pharmacy is my primary expertise, but the work I've done in MTM, you know, very closely aligns with case management and some other things. But that's one of the things I do most when something leaves Dr. First or something is improved by Dr. First, it really makes sense that we're not just making something that looks neat, you know, that we're filling a need, that it's easy to use. I also do a lot of uh, a lot of program management. So we will have, you know, right now I'm I'm doing a, a program with a regional health plan and I'm just making sure that all the different pieces align, the technological, the clinical, the operational. I do some, what I would say, consult to other teams on medication related issues. It's a whole, it's really a a big variety. And then for my team as a whole, I do a lot of management. So for example, we're in the process of what I would say is building up our clinical content for lack of a better term. So really planning for the next fiscal year with the white papers, any kind of blog posts, that kind of thing. And really making sure that one, it's meeting the needs of our organization, of our customers and potential customers, and that we're pulling the right internal and external resources in to to really put great content together. It is a very unique position, but I love it. So how did you come to be in this particular position? Well, so my career, I would say, has been about 30% community pharmacy. And I spent a long time working for a national medication therapy management provider, doing a variety of different roles at one point, responsible for their entire MTM and utilization management program from front to back, clinical operational, what I would say everything but doing the coding. So I had that experience. I had community pharmacy experience, as I said, primarily from Union Medical and some other places I'd worked. So Dr. First was really looking for that pharmacist voice to kind of advise different projects. But in addition to that, the fact that I had some program management experience. So it was a combination of those things. I actually had a friend who worked there who had mentioned to me that there were some positions and I went from there. So you're kind of like the pharmacy representative there. In some ways, there are a bunch of pharmacists on staff, but it's very, so it's very unique. It's, it's, it's very interesting though. So what would you say is your favorite part of your job? We have a fabulous team and it's in a very interdisciplinary. We are unique. We're one team and doctor first. We have a very diverse group of clinicians on the primary team I'm on, which really represents our secure communication product. You know, we have nurses with ER experience, ICU case managers, behavioral health specialists, myself as a pharmacist. We interact a lot with our chief medical officer, but we also have all sorts of, you know, great tech resources, operational implementation, you name it. And everybody really, at the end of the day, we look to each other when we have a question. We we work together and collaborate well. So to me, my favorite thing about my job is the team I work with. It's usually the people that you work with that can actually make it so much more enjoyable. So I can absolutely understand that. Yeah. And Dr. First is an interesting organization from the perspective of our um, CEO and founder is still very involved. For example, he will 
read something and an article maybe that's interesting about a pharmacy organization and he'll reach out to me directly and ask me what I think. And he'll ask a lot of questions because he's, you know, wicked smart and always curious, but he'll really listen to what I think in my point of view. And that's another great thing about our company too. Jim Chen is one example, but we've got others in our, in our executive team that do the same thing. That's really awesome that you got leadership that, you know, is so willing to actually listen to the people that are working there. And, and really reach out to learn yeah. from you. That strikes me is, is very different that you don't see in a lot of places. What have you learned about yourself? Or like what life lessons have you learned for yourself during your time at Dr. First? I had an issue that it's not Dr. First specific. I would say it's me specific. I have a tendency to you know, work with everyone behind the scenes and make sure that the work gets done and not really pay much attention to whether anyone knows I did the work or not. And I had a situation where somebody got a really great opportunity that I was perfect for and they got recognition based on the results of my work. Oh, that sucks. So I was not happy about that. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to ever be that person that always thinks they need to be in the front. Right. But I've got to find that balance. And that balance is on me. I mean, those folks that were making those decisions, they saw what they saw. Right. You know, and and so to continue to to find that balance, because you don't want to go the other way and make everything about yourself either, because that's not something that to me, that's not a leader, you know, but I I learned even in my current age of life that you got to have that balance and you can't just put yourself in the back behind the scenes, behind the curtain, you're kind of, that's where you're going to be. Well, that ties wonderfully into the next question that I have for you, which is what piece of advice do you have for anyone that's listening right now? Well, I thought about what my advice would be. And honestly, my advice is a little bit different, actually. I don't remember exactly how the saying goes, but there's an old saying that says that you have two ears and one mouth. And that's because you, you don't learn by talking, you learn by listening. And whether it's learning a fact or learning the best way to present something to your boss or your teacher or whomever, you always learn more by listening than you do by speaking. But don't be afraid to speak for, up for yourself when you need to. That's a very wise piece of advice. Thank you for that. Now, is there anything that you would say to someone who might want to pursue a career similar to yours? There are a number of pharmacists at Dr. First. Several of them have a background in the area of informatics. They've taken electives in pharmacy school or, or maybe done residencies. So I would say that specifically to work at a place like Dr. First, I'm kind of in a unique position, but we do have a handful of pharmacists with informatics backgrounds. And sometimes they got that from an educational perspective. And sometimes maybe they worked in a large hospital system or for an EMR vendor or, you know, perform all our hospital systems here in town. Have that person that's the bridge between tech and pharmacy. But I would say to not be afraid to try something new. You know, you, you think about your career and don't say, oh, I could never do that. Or I don't know how I would do that. Try it, you know, look into it, try it and see. But when I got out of college, no, I didn't think I'd be working for an IT company, you know, but here I am. And it's because I was, was just not afraid to try different things and to learn as much as I could from the people around me and give it my best shot. 
I think that's very important, especially as we're going into, you know, uncertain times with everything that's going on with the world of the job market. So it's always good to be able to keep that open mind. Absolutely. And and just not be afraid to think outside of the box a little bit or with pharmacies concerned. You know, we're finding pharmacists working in all these great places, you know, working with EMS companies. And that's like one of the things I do do at Dr. First is kind of look for other areas that pharmacists are involved in that maybe our company hadn't thought about before. So the mobile integrated pharmacist is one of the examples of what I'm looking at right now. All right, Mary Lou, thank you so much for uh, talking with me today about the getting involved in pharmacy organizations and then your job at Dr. First. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. And just like that, episode one is done. Hey, that rhymed. If you have any feedback on the episode or have ideas for guests to bring on, please feel free to email the show directly at pawneycast at gmail.com. You can also connect directly with the Pharmacist Association of Western New York on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pawneyrx or through our website at pawneyrx.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. But if you don't find us there, there is an RSS feed that you can use and boop, there we will appear. If you enjoyed today's episode, and I have a nagging suspicion that you did given that you're still listening, share the show with your friends, your family members, your hairdressers, maybe even your cats. I don't know, maybe you can just leave the podcast running while you're not at home and then your cat can learn all about pharmacy and then your cat can become the world's first cat pharmacist. Can you imagine how cool would that be? But back to the point that I was trying to make. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to increase awareness of the podcast. So we'd really appreciate it if you could let the world know about our show. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you next time.